Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Philip. How are things in your end of the planet? Uh, cold, but there's uh, no construction going on, so I'll take it. All right. Everything has been constructed. It's done. Yep, that's right. There's no more to build. <laughs> I remember when I first moved to New York and, you know, you see scaffolding everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wow, when they finish this place, it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> but no. No, no. It's an organic system. We got a very good suggestion this week hmm. from a young man named Kyle Crichton, who uh, I happen to know. And he shared this article with me and he said, this would be a great idea. And I think he's absolutely right. Kyle Crichton, by the way, a relative somehow of Michael Crichton. Ah, okay. So a high bar we set. And how would you describe the the, uh, the article he sent us? Oh, so the article's... Um, uh, Pondering what would happen if the Earth's magnetic field changed in magnitude or flipped. Um, and this is, as you say, uh, we know from the geological record that the Earth's magnetic field does change in intensity and flip. Um, seems to flip every, you know, half a million, million years or so. So the North Pole becomes the South Pole and your compass points in the opposite direction. Right. Um, now, but now, let's... The image of that, if you don't yeah. know anything, is so bizarre <laughs> <laughs> that the North Pole, Santa Claus, yeah. somehow winds up on the South Pole where the penguins are, but that's not right. really what's going on. What, what, what are we talking about here? Well, um, so the magnetic field of the planet is invisible, right? You can't see it normally. Magnetic field, um, okay. Yeah. Right. But if you can... Um, Usually, you know, physicists will draw a sort of picture um, and you get a halo around the Earth um, that sort of represents the magnetic field. And it's important things that magnetic fields have a direction. Uh, so when you when you draw them, they need to have a little arrow pointing which way the, the magnetic field is going. And uh, so the the arrow points towards the North Pole right now, and that's why our, our compasses point towards it. Um, so somehow during the, the flipping process, the magnetic the direction of the magnetic field changes completely, uh, 180 degrees. So the arrow is pointing in the opposite direction. And it's probably the case that the magnetic field decreases in intensity first. So it probably goes to zero and then comes up again in the opposite direction. So, so, Super simplifying, mm-hmm. um, for, for even magnetic field. So everyone knows, everyone's familiar with magnets. Right. And so if uh, a magnet has a magnetic field, I'm guessing, right? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so put a magnet down on it, get a really big, get one of those horseshoe magnets. I don't see those as much anymore, but no. you know, those awesome looking things and um, put it on the table. And then get something magnetic like a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. And as you, if you just hold the, uh, I just thought this is interesting actually, if you just hold mm-hmm. the end of the screwdriver, the handle, 
just mm-hmm. by the very end of it with just a couple fingers and let the the metal part of the screwdriver kind of pivot around like a compass in a way mm-hmm. as you move around the table with the magnet at the center the um screwdriver will always stay pointed towards the magnet uh right yeah and that's just because the closest part to the magnet is feeling the strongest part of the magnetic field. Yeah. Right. right. And without getting too detailed, but what is happening there? Are they, is it uh, the atoms are, what what is that we're feeling? Yeah. So one way to think about it is um, magnetic fields like to, um, well, magnetic fields are kind of like people on the subway, right? They, they mm-hmm. take up their space mm-hmm. in a particular way. Um, and if you get two people both trying to take up their space on the subway, eventually they're going to find um, a place where they can both be or they have a fight, but we're assuming no fights <laughs> between the magnets right now, right? So the magnet, if you take two magnetic fields and put them next to each other, um, they'll push on each other until uh, they settle down in some new position. And that usually means that the smaller magnet um, or piece of metal, in this case, it would be the, uh, the screwdriver, um, gets pushed around, gets moved until it settles down in a place that's, we say, a low energy state. Um, but basically, it's the place where it's most comfortable for the two magnetic fields to hang out. But what, what is, is it, um, what causes, the, what, what brings the force, uh, the force, so it's not midichlorians. <laughs> you mean what makes a magnet a magnet? Yeah, like what, what is it, knowing absolutely nothing, uh, as one does perhaps, it's just this weird invisible force that isn't gravity. It isn't right. <laughs> the nuclear force. Uh, so what is it? Uh, it is its own thing. So huh. technically it would be part of the uh, electroweak force, oh, okay. uh, which is the electromagnetic force that we interact with uh, on a fairly regular basis. Right. So that's, um, so question is what is that force? That question turns out to be very difficult to answer. Really? Um, yeah. And it's, um, so the, the old explanation for this was an entity called the ether, which I think we've talked about once or twice before. Yeah. Um, so the reasoning went, uh, and this is sort of 17th through 19th century physics. The reasoning goes, um, if the magnet here can influence something over there, it doesn't make sense that they can interact with each other if there's nothing connecting them, right? So this was called the action at a distance problem. Right, exactly. How can two things interact without touching? Right. So the solution to that was say, well, there is stuff in between them, uh, and we'll call it the ether. And you can't see it and you can't really touch it, but it has physical properties. So what the argument went, what we observe as electricity or magnetism is a different state of the ether. Maybe the ether's twisted or it's um, compressed or it's got some springiness to it. Right. And ether, so the, the ether would be basically, in fact, we, we, we played with this idea in an earlier episode. The ether is kind of, would be kind of like uh, air or water. 
but just some some other substance that we are swimming in. Right. Right. That the universe yeah. is filled with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I should say that hypothesis of the ether was immensely fruitful. Mm. So amongst mm. other things, it you know gets James Clark Maxwell to write down the equations that eventually become Maxwell's equations that we use regularly today. Um, but in order to make that hypothesis work, all sorts of strange assumptions had to be made. Like the, the ether didn't behave like any other substance we knew of. And it had to be both sort of infinitely dense and infinitely light at the same time. Um, so all sorts of problems came along with it. And eventually uh, Einstein famously discards it as superfluous. He says, we don't need this thing anymore. Imagine that feeling. liberated everyone believes there's this incredibly powerful and important Mm -hmm. substance throughout the entire universe and not only did einstein bring us things that we had not seen before in a way uh or not realize we're there but he's able to (laughs) also say ah Away with you, Ether. Right. Yeah, it's the justice thing. Yeah. Um, and Einstein's sort of justification for doing this uh, comes out of a, a particular philosophy called positivism, uh, which emphasizes that uh, the only things you should talk about in science are things you can measure directly. Uh, and there wasn't, didn't seem to be a way to measure the Ether directly. So Einstein yeah. said, let's just stop talking about it. Let's just give it up. So... Essentially, he still wanted physicists to use the same set of equations and the same kind of problem solving strategies, but just don't talk about the ether as a physical entity. And then it kind of drops away Mm. once people aren't talking about it. So it gets replaced by um, the field, which is the term we use nowadays, which really isn't much more helpful than the ether. So a field just says uh, something experiences a force at a certain distance from this other thing. Right, right. Right. So now we we say the universe is filled with a field that's caused by all the all these things particles in it. Um, So then a perfectly reasonable question to say, well, so what is that field? Uh, And we say, well, it's the thing that causes the force at this point. Okay. And they say, yeah, but what causes that force? And they say, well, that's the field. Right. So this is a limit of one of our limits at the moment. Yeah. So I should say, so this is um, the late 19th, early 20th century. This is the, the innovation. It's just talk about it as, uh, as a thing that we don't really understand, but we can manipulate mathematically and physically. And then we get quantum field theory in the middle of the 20th century, which then replaces the field with particles. So now instead of just saying uh, there's this mysterious force Uh, around a magnet, we say rather the magnet gives off photons that carry an electromagnetic force. Hmm. So when the piece of metal you bring near the magnet feels a force, it's not that there's this invisible field pulling on it, but rather they're exchanging particles very rapidly. And the exchange of those particles has a force on this thing. Uh, and and they're, so it's not electrons we're talking about. No, these are electrons are the things that are moved by oh. the photons. Right. Um, and since the metal has lots of free electrons, it is particularly susceptible to it. So nowadays when we say field, so, so I should say every classical field, like a magnetic field, um, has a quantum particle counterpart nowadays. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's so, just mathematical that 
fits helps us calculate. Well, that's right. Yeah. And this is one of the, the you know, fundamental puzzles of quantum mechanics. Yeah. Um, as you say, you know, are these particles real? And then you, you get the same kind of loop you're doing with the field. Um, so particles, uh, treating these forces as particles instead of abstract fields uh, is just a calculational convenience, maybe. Right. I mean, you, you can have a good argument about whether these things are real. Um, right. But it works very, very well. And this is a thing that happens again and again through science, through the history of science, that uh, man, many times, perhaps most of the time, you can actually measure, since because we can measure a physical thing, you can just keep, keep experimenting, keep measuring, and you can eventually figure out, well, th- if I push this this hard, that will happen without knowing at all why. Yes. Right. Even, <laughs> even, right. The Greeks, mm-hmm. you know, even uh, like everybody could, ca- the, the Greeks build magnificent temples by understanding the force of gravity and, uh, you know, how to build buildings and things like that. And py- the, the pyramids by the Egyptians. So, in, so, so you said there was a magnetic field around the earth. Right. And so then the, um, the uh, layperson asks, well, is there's no, is there a giant magnet inside the earth? That would be the um, only, if you knew nothing else, that would be the right. only explanation for the fact that there is a magnetic field around the earth. Which, by the that's way, right. I just, one it's tiny fun. side note, that's not sure. gravity. Totally. Un- un- that's right. Totally unrelated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the answer, the answer seems to need to be yes. Right. And this has been a puzzle, you know, back till the time of Kepler, you know, 17th century or so, mm-hmm. um, is uh, if the, the earth behaves like a magnet. So is there some giant magnet buried? Um, and the answer, the general explanation these days is that the core of the earth is mostly liquid, uh, liquid metal. And it's it's got some rotation to it, so it's spinning. So it so happens that if you take a big ball of hot metal and spin it, it'll generate a magnetic field. You, you can do this in the lab. Right. So, so the reasoning goes, well, we know more or less what the middle of the earth is made of, uh, and we know about how hot it is. So something like a spinning core would do that. Um, but it's really hard to see directly, right? We can't tunnel down to the core. So the, the exact mechanism by which the magnetic field is generated is still a little mysterious. Oh, really? Yeah. Interestingly. So, and, and that is left over from when the earth was formed, I guess. Yeah. The heat. Yeah. Yeah. So, that and that and radioactive minerals, um, generate a lot of heat over time. Uh, and mm-hmm. also that after, you know, the earth formed, and the outside, just like a marshmallow in a campfire. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, the, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah, the, outside the, outside the, hardened. Yeah, the outside of the marshmallow is firm um, right. and hard. But then as soon as you break through it, it's gooey and yeah. hot on the inside. Yeah. yeah. I always manage to bring it back to dessert. <laughs> Coincidence? <laughs> dessert science. Um, and so... Also, what one sort of last piece of that puzzle is is that the different elements kind of separate out inside the Earth, right? Isn't that like all, the or um, the or the iron concentrates down in the middle, or because those rocks? Yeah, are- well, it's um, yeah, you get a certain amount of stratification, uh, so heavy metals will drop 
uh, into the core more quickly. Um, but that's not so important for the, the magnetic field question. That's a, a question of why can't, why is it hard to find uranium? Right. It's because it sinks deep into the earth. Oh, okay. Right. So the middle of the earth is liquid. So things that anything that's heavy that is near that liquid part is going to fall to the bottom and either melt or just stay. Yeah, more as, or less. As it yeah. is. Um, so there's all this iron. It's the iron that's spinning that gives us the magnet. Iron nickel, we say. Yeah. Iron nickel. Huh? Mm-hmm. So there's five cents more worth five cents more than I thought it was. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Interesting. So there's iron and nickel. So, right. so, so there's when a, when a star blob. explodes, yeah. oh, sorry, when a star ex- <laughs> recently the supernova exploded or two neutron stars collided and all this gold was formed. Right. The Earth, you get some nickel <laughs> and you get some <laughs> iron. That's <laughs> all I can give you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But without it, we wouldn't have this nice magnetic field. Right. right which keeps us alive because. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the magnetic field's um, invisible. Uh, if you have a special tool like a compass, you can see its effects, even though it's invisible. Um, but it's actually doing uh, really important work um, keeping us alive. So this, uh, there is such a thing as space weather. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. And eff- effectively, the magnetic field protects us from space weather. And this is what I mean. Um, the Earth, or excuse me, the sun belches out enormous numbers of particles, bits of hydrogen and protons and things. Um, and by, so these are, you get solar prominences. So you can see these like during eclipse and things, these enormous structures that are, you know, vastly larger than the earth. And some of them get fully spit out from the sun. Ooh. So they go hurling out into space. And these, uh, you can't see these with the, the naked eye for the most part. Um, there's these diffuse clouds of particles and such. And sometimes uh, there will be a planet in the way of those. Right. So, so, we, so when you see those pictures of the sun and you see those magnificent flares, uh, if you see mm-hmm. video of it, the flares sort of erupting, or if you saw a still picture, you just see these magnificent arcs mm-hmm. of glowing gas coming off the sun. And the Earth would actually be like a speck that's right if, if you, you see one of these um those are not for, like flames on a candle that's right no no that's right you want to put the earth for scale on there yeah. um and really our entire planet is dwarfed by these uh these eruptions wow so wow. the solar system you know to so in a certain sense the solar system is is empty between the planets in another sense it's full of these clouds of charged particles that the sun is constantly giving off so what we call space weather is uh is is there a lot of charged particles zooming around in our neighborhood or is there not very much All right, so is uh-huh. there a solar flare coming our way right. um and so if, if if a human were in the middle you know forget even the planet if if an astronaut happens to be uh in between the earth and the sun or you know just out in space and all those charged particles came they totally invisible after the prominence uh, you know disappears and all those particles would fly through their ship and through their bodies right yeah because charged particles are what we call radiation right right and it would just damn it, it would hit all kinds of things inside them their cells and they'd be damaged yeah you'd, you'd die horribly right um uh, essentially, you'd get a, a massive radiation poisoning, like if you were close to a nuclear reactor or something like that. Ah, which we are, um, because that's what the sun is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, I guess, kind of the problem, right? Yeah. Um, so if we didn't have 
the magnetic field around the Earth, those that radiation would just be hitting us all the time. You'd be yeah. you'd be constantly bathed in in a soup of higher high energy particles from the sun. Um, but the magnetic field catches these particles um, and deflects them, and actually, kind of, uh, if if you watch, kind of. Um, the, the path of the particles, the magnetic field kind of channels them towards the poles. It actually flows, the, the particle flows uh, right. down there. And that's what we call the northern lights, is watching those particles smash into the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah. Are there southern lights? There are. There are. So at, yep. at both poles. Right. And so the magnet, so, so you can imagine the liquid core is spinning around and all this iron nickel is liquid is swirling around in a circle in a sphere and the magnetic field and you can easily see this online pictures of it is aligned uh straight up and down uh not exactly to the actual geological north pole but close uh, to yes. it mm -hmm. right so so that magnetic field becomes uh, in other words, it's not like a perfect, you could imagine the Earth and you can imagine a circle around it, concentric rings going outward and say, that's the magnetic field, like ripples on a pond. Mm -hmm. But it's not really like that. It's more like there's a bar. No, it's, it's more like a donut shape. Donut. The, our, the magnetic field is, is a giant donut. Um, so around the uh, equator, you know, it, it bulges out and then near the top, it, it pinches back in like the hole of the donut. Right. So when the, so let's see here, uh, it, it's like shooting, we're shooting sprinkles, delicious sprinkles. Yes. Yes. At, at the donut. Right. Um, so most of the, when you shoot it right at the side, they tend to deflect, but when you shoot it near the top, they'll accumulate inside the hole of the donut. Right. And if I may make another Star Wars reference for those of us who see science and everything through the filter of Star Wars. The uh, the exhaust chute of the Death Star, that the, the only way to blow up the Death Star is to drop the photon torpedoes down this one chute. Yes, the, the thermal exhaust port. And that's yeah. like the only place you can get in. And in a mm -hmm. way, what's happening is as the particles come towards the Earth, they either go away or they get they inter they come into the field, and they, if they're in the north, or the near the north pole or the south pole, they then mm -hmm. actually flow down as if the north pole were like a whirl like a whirlpool almost flowing yeah. straight down to the north analogy. pole, and also yeah. on the south pole the same thing happens because there's a spinning. Um, magnet inside the earth. Right. Yeah. So all the radiation that would cook us otherwise gets caught and collected uh, at the poles, and some of that energy. Some of that radiation stays up there. Uh, it's called the Van Allen belts. Uh -huh. So they're actually kind of donut-shaped belts of radiation right. um, that the magnetic field just holds there for a long time. Um, and this was a worry in the early space program about whether astronauts would be cooked uh, by the Van Allen belts right. when they went. Through. Yeah. Right. Um, and so a magnet has a North Pole and a South Pole mm -hmm. uh, or a positive and a negative. Yeah, as you can also call it, and w we just know that when you have when you have two magnets, there's one side. If you put 
uh, yeah, they'll they'll flip to uh, again to you can't push them together if, that, if you're pushing the sides together they don't want to go together right and they'll right push each other apart and they would flip so that the sides that do want to come together come together very strongly yeah so on the earth is it we have a north pole and a south pole which we call yep. it like santa mm-hmm. claus lives up there and the penguins live down there um we even call it up and down up here anyway and is does that mean that if the north pole if, if the the top of the spinning sphere mm-hmm. of the core could touch the other side of the sphere well this is this is kind of what's unclear so since right. we don't understand the the detailed mechanism of how the core generates the magnetic field it's hard to know exactly what happens with the flip as well right right, right. so we let's need to understand the mechanism a little better so jumping to the the disaster that's coming now that you know <laughs> this much you're 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 better off than the ancient people only in that you have a little bit more knowledge about the science behind it Otherwise, all that's going to do is make you worry in a way that the ancient people. <laughs> now they may have worried about other things, like maybe they angered. Yeah, Zeus and I should say, actually, there's a sense in which we're more vulnerable uh, to space weather now than we have been in human history to this date. Uh, which is that, uh, remember the this the radiation we're getting is all charged particles, right? Electrons and protons and things hurtling through space. Uh, And our whole civilization is based on the idea of moving electrons around in the way we want them, right? We call that electricity, right? So the light and the Skype we're using right now all relies on being able to uh, push around electrons in the way we want. But it's so, but if we didn't have a magnetic field, uh, we'd be getting huge numbers of electrons and protons dumped on us whenever the sun felt like it. So our power grid goes down, every piece of electronics gets fried, um, and all of a sudden it's, you know, the 15th century again. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, and so this is the danger that, uh, well, okay, so here's the thing though. Um, just we know we don't understand the mechanism but we right. know we don't there's some details we don't know but we mm-hmm. do know that it, th- th- it this has happened th- yep, th- that's right so it, we have that's right we and we have a geologic record um so the magnetic field uh so when lava cools uh the atoms in it are moving around right when when it's liquid they can move around so the earth's magnetic field kind of coaxes the metallic atoms in the lava to to point in a certain direction like each atom is a little magnet uh-huh okay yep um so right now as lava cools in iceland or hawaii it is very its magnetic field is very slightly aligning with that of the earth Right. And you can measure that. So if you go down to the sea floor, you'll, which is expanding, right? So right. Uh, refer back to our Iceland episode. Yes, please. Do it's excellent. The, uh, so if you look at the, the recent lava, it's lined up with the Earth's magnetic field, as you'd expect. And then there's a period where it's not magnetized at all. And then a period where it's magnetized in the opposite direction. And, and this, so, this, in yeah. a way, this is sort of like, there's a record because of the the lava was flowing 
and then inside it, it had a particular orientation because of the magnetic fields of the Earth. And then when it hardened, it sort of fossilized a record. And so it, we can look at it in a way. It's sort of like looking at um, like an EKG or a seismograph. Right? So you can look yeah, at a timeline. Like a, a Fitbit. Right. It's, uh-huh. it's tracking the, <laughs> tracking oh, the activity good. of the Earth's magnetic field. Yeah. And it's an amazing record. So you can actually go and, you know, hold a slab of this rock. Uh, and and that is literally the history of the Earth's magnetic field. And you can kind of hold it in your hands. Wow. Uh, so we know that these this flip happens. Right? Um, like I said, it happens on the order of half a million, million years. I think the last one was something like 800,000 years ago. Uh, so that's, and we can also see that the magnetic field changes in intensity over time too. So it doesn't always flip. Sometimes it just changes, you know, it gets weaker, gets stronger for a little while. Uh, and again, it's not really clear why, um, but that's, you know, we keep geologists around so they can figure that out. (laughs) Uh, so, you know, a, um, a half, if the magnetic field reduces by half, say, as it did, you know, 50,000 years ago or so, um, we'd probably be okay. Uh, but you and I, right, we would not die of radiation poisoning. Um, we'd probably get a fair bit of, you know, genetic damage and, you know, you get a wave of mutations or something like that. Um, but probably our electrical grid would not survive that event. Right, because it, too many particles are getting let in. Yeah, lots of right. lots more particles are getting let in. They're not being deflected out into space by the magnetic field, and so this actually has happened. Right? In fact, in Quebec, they had a massive power outage that lasted. You know, it took them like six weeks or something to get everything. Yeah, back. that's right. And that wasn't you know because of the lessening of the magnetic field, but sometimes right. um, the the solar particles just get through. Right? It's such an, a gigantic mm. flare that it comes through. But again, biologically, you don't notice this, but electrically, you do. Uh, right. So, so the, right, there weren't it, people in Quebec that. It wasn't like a, a, a that's right. A yeah, they're not cancer sunburned Quebecois. Yeah, right. Um, so we didn't realize this was an issue until the 19th century when we start making big electrical networks. Mm. So the first big electrical systems we build are telegraph networks, right? And okay. they're hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands of miles. Um, long. And back in the middle of the 19th century, I can't remember um, the date. Uh, there's uh, all the telegraphs go crazy one day. <laughs> and no one kind of knows what's going on. Um, and it comes to be called the Carrington event after the guy who kind of investigates it. And, and, and there now, were no hackers. It could have been hackers. That's right. It could have been Russia. <laughs> no hackers at the time. Um, so nowadays we interpret a Carrington event as a massive solar flare. Right. Uh, so the reason the telegraphs were going crazy is because there was a particularly large wave of charged particles from coming from the sun. Sorry, Carrington. Us. Yeah. And we don't. So if we got a Carrington event today, you know, satellites get fried. Um, power networks, like you said, in, in Quebec uh, get get fried as well. And we don't because the, the original Carrington event, the, the technology we had was so primitive, we don't really have a sense of, of how intense it was. But you can imagine, but it, we imagine and kind of live in fear, those of us who think of these things, uh, of another Carrington event today um, would be disastrous. Huh? And that's, that was space weather, basically, yep. like a, like a right. rare... Yeah, rare we, typhoon or something. That's uh, right. Yeah, and because we've only had electrical systems for a couple hundred years, we don't know if you get a Carrington event 
once every 200 years or once every thousand years or once every hundred thousand years, right? We don't, we don't have the slightest sense of, of how frequent those events are. Wow. But at the very least, the Carrington event today would destroy all of our satellites. Yeah, I, I could be wrong, back. but I feel like maybe this was the disaster that set up in the movie Gravity. Uh, I do not remember, actually. I haven't. Something crazy happened. Anyway, yeah. um, fun movie. So. The Earth's pull, when if, also just one thing is when that flip happens, it takes. In geologic time, it's fast. Right. But in, but in our time, it's probably quite long. How yeah. long? Like hundreds? Um, I don't know if we know. I'd have to look that up. Um, but I would imagine it's on the order of, uh, you know, you probably have tens of years with a very weak or no magnetic field at all. Right. And birds, got, the, the idea is that maybe birds go crazy because birds use the magnetic field to navigate perhaps and yeah that's right yeah so there is some there are a few weird um biological entities that can sense the magnetic field so yeah. like bees and certain kinds of birds and such um this is not particularly well understood right. i think and this is not why the bees are disappearing no. No. <laughs> that's something else um and what was fascinating about this article that kyle sent us was it it says that there's evidence showing that the North Pole is moving and has moved quite a distance more north, I think. Yeah, it, it kind of wanders around. Um, uh -huh. So the magnetic field is not a perfect donut. Okay, so mm. it's a donut that someone's been snacking on. So <laughs> it's got it's got holes and pits and lumps. Homer! Um, <laughs> and geophysicists have, have mapped this in great detail. Um, so, for instance, there's what's called the uh, Southern Magnetic Anomaly. Okay. There's a big spot in the Southern Pacific where the magnetic field is just weird. And Ooh. nobody knows what's special about that spot. You know, it might be, I should say, that's, that's how they find the monolith in 2001 is through a magnetic oh, as well. Right. So it may be that at the bottom of the Pacific, there's a giant monolith. Um, TMA we'll find out. one. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tico magnetic anomaly one. That's I what the that, TMA is for. That's right. <laughs> um, so there's so like a Bermuda so, triangle of magnetism. Right. <laughs> but instead of Bermuda, it's like Fiji. It's a Fiji. Yeah. The Fiji, Fiji triangle. I, mean, yeah. I wouldn't mind getting lost in Fiji. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's right. So the, so we can watch the the North Pole and the South Pole um, wander around. And I want to emphasize that these are the magnetic poles and not the geographic poles. Right. So the geographic poles of the Earth are the um, the the top of where top and bottom of where the Earth spins. So if you have a globe, it's where the it connects to the frame. Right. So that's a um, that's just a geographical thing. It's where the axis of the earth is pointing. And then the magnetic poles are kind of close to those, but not exactly. Right. So as you get closer to the geographic pole, um, your compass becomes less and less useful because now it's pointing towards the magnetic pole instead. So down here at like, you know, latitude 40 degrees, that's not a big difference. Right. Um, but when you're at latitude five degrees, that is a big difference. Uh, so you have to correct for that if you're using a compass for navigation. Yeah. And, and um, with global warming, one of the kind of positive developments is that, you know, uh, all those ports are opening up. It's like becoming much more habitable up there. 
in the North Pole and I guess in the South Pole. And so there could be far more, a far bigger population there, not that long in the future, Mm -hmm. um, that really will be dealing with this on a daily basis. Right. Right. (laughs) That's right. I suppose they can just calculate. They have to say, well, you don't, if you want to go north to the actual geographic North Pole, to the, to Mm -hmm. the ice cap, um, don't your, your, your compass, don't follow your compass, the direction where the compass is pointing. Right. You go to this, go to like 10 degrees. Yeah. You'll need to navigate by the stars essentially to, to get to the axis, right? So they want to go until you're right underneath the North star. Wow. Um, so the, so since the, the, the North magnetic pole and the South, uh, wanders around a fair bit, you know, on the order of miles and tens of miles, uh, it's speculated by some people that maybe that wandering is the predecessor to one of these flips. Right. Right. So the, if it's going to flip, theoretically, we get some indication beforehand. It's not an instantaneous. Right. We, we, we we haven't observed this in enough detail, uh, to, to know exactly what the process is like. Um, so I, so it's possible the poles are going to flip. It's, I'm not persuaded that this move, this, uh, the observed movement is a good reason to think it's going to happen soon. Uh-huh. Um, because so if you take an event that happens every 500,000 years, I'll right. say, um, the odds of it happening to occur at the exact moment in geological time that we are able to measure it, that seems to me an astounding coincidence. Right. Right. Like said, right. That, that would just be extraordinary. Well, that would and, prove that the government does have some right. giant magnetic earthquake yeah, creator. And, you know, I should say sometimes extraordinary things do happen. Right. Yep. So it might it might just be happening to work out that way. Those people um, in Pom- at Pompeii the night before were like, it'd be I mean, the right, odds of us, the odds it's going to erupt today. Exactly. Right. During our picnic. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and it's, so I should say, if you go to Google and type in magnetic pole shift or flip, the first 10,000 sites you get are not going to be NASA. They're going to be conspiracy theory websites, right? So for whatever reason, this idea of the poles flipping has been embraced by various sorts of apocalyptic new age slash conspiracy theorists. Right. So put uh, on your critical thinking hat. Yeah, that's right. So, so this to... is, this will be a very challenging thing to Google. Oh, right. Okay. And there's no safe filter for it as there should be, by the way, <laughs> right? You have safe filter for nice. sex yeah. and violence, but there's no safe filter for stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be an amazing um, contribution to the internet. Although the way to overcome that is to at least go to some trusted sources. And you can go to several if you want to get some idea. Yeah, that's right. And cross-reference, right? Cross-reference, yeah. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, if the magnetic poles flipped, it probably would be a disaster. Um, certainly for modern civilization, maybe for our life. Right? There's because uh, there's some actually there's some evidence geologically that uh, pole switching is associated with mass extinctions. Oh, so 
if so yeah, it so wasn't we, that they all died because their iPad stopped working. <laughs> no, no, but if we had an extended period of time, you know, tens of years or hundreds of years without a magnetic field, then unbelievable genetic damage to um, every species on Earth, essentially. So except for, you know, the critters living at the very bottom of the ocean. And so, weirdly, this is okay. Now, this connects nicely to space travel, right? Your yes. favorite thing. Yes. Uh, so, one of the great perils of expanding into space, you know, say living on Mars or living on the moon, is that those places don't have magnetic fields or their magnetic fields are so weak that they don't provide any protection for radiation. Right. Like that's so why the just, moon and Mars, yeah. it's not just that they don't have air and water, right. but it's but, also that there's this invisible radiation coursing down right on the surface so if you want to live on the moon you can't live on the surface Mm. it is is just not possible so you need to tunnel underground so the rock but i I have a clear dome i built this beautiful clear (laughs) dome like i saw on the covers of the books yeah you'll you'll be toasted nicely ah you would Uh, need spf three million (laughs) (laughs) uh so this is I mean, this is a genuinely deep problem, right? I, we can come up with ways to generate oxygen and scrub carbon dioxide mm, and mm. deal with the fact that it's cold. Those are all things we can do well, right. but protecting from radiation is really, really hard. Yeah, this is good. So this, we're going to continue this. We just got started. <laughs> this is so good, this magnetic stuff. So, so. We 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 all got up to speed today. We we like put on our boots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We put on our coat. Um <laughs> then we drank a lot of coffee to go out, but now we have to go to the bathroom, so we have to take off our coat and take off the boots. Go to the This is a, a Spalding Gray used to tell this story about him, <laughs> him going skiing. He would say, ah, you put on all this." And um but uh yeah, boy, I'm ready. I'm ready to jump out of the plane. On a world where yeah, the, magnetic- the magnetic field catches you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when you wish upon a magnetic field. Um, fantastic. Kyle Crichton, I want to thank you for this stellar idea. Yeah. Gotcha. Sort of appropriate pun. Uh, oh, j- real quick. So does the, the sun have a magnetic field? It does. It must. Um, uh, Can yeah, it, if it flips... Yeah. Is there a- um, you know, that's a good question. It moves around a lot. I don't know if we've observed a flip. Right. And um, one last random question that comes to mind. Pulsars, is that a magnetic field that's causing that? Yep, exactly right. Is there magnetic fields is, is super intense. And it focuses the light and the energy. Uh, well, electrons in a sense. Focuses electrons into these, like a spin, a spin like a lighthouse. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, so a, a lot to explore here. Next time. Magnetism. Magnetism, one of the great mysteries. One of the most fun toys. By the way, as far as we know, another warning. I don't think there's any therapeutic value to wearing magnets. Uh, I have no reason to think so. And it's probably not even, if anything, it's just not good. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Lots of mag- you don't want to stand next to a gigantic magnet, for instance. That would- well, I mean, you know, if you've had an MRI, you've been inside a gigantic magnet. That's true. So that's true. Yeah. It's really loud, but th- that's not it because of the loud. magnet. <laughs> um, wow! Thank you for all this 
incredible knowledge about all these invisible things. And um, what was the guy's name, uh, the, the event again with the, the tele- Carrington event? Carrington. We'll have to find yeah, out more so about if him. If you Google Carrington event, you'll get lots of good stuff. Oh, cool. Is there a story about him? I don't. If if there is, I don't know it. Right. All right. Looking for Mr. Carrington. He's <laughs> going to be the name. He will be the hero of the story. Uh to, to save us from the magnetic flip. Um, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Um, if you haven't done so already, even if you're not an Apple <laughs> iTunes user, if you think about it, if you want to help support the show, which we would appreciate, keep the magnetic field where it is. Uh, stand up for your rights. <laughs> keep that magnetic field pointing where it is stay put um i am pro status quo when it comes to the magnetic field go to itunes uh you you can do it on the web and uh just look for what if you can find us there you can click on reviews and you can give us uh five stars that would be great um five times the magnetic field five times the power of the (laughs) solar prominences will be attacked by and uh the three body problem that was a great story but imagine the five body problem so you can give us five stars if you're uh, if you really want to support the show and 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 help iTunes uh, say hey there's something happening here we should advertise this show to more people um, you can write a little review and we've gotten some wonderful reviews and if you've written one thank you so much to those of you who have if you want to add to that that'd be great um, we would love to know who you are uh, there's a there's a little bit of a timidity timidity out there I think for some reason um, we don't bite. At least I don't bite. Uh, and, you know, my cat, is she's pretty calm. So, and I, I just clip, <laughs> clipped her nails. Matt's cat, on the other hand. Not so calm. Stay away. <laughs> keep keep your distance. But, yeah. but ZB, how's Z, ZB's all right? ZB's all right. Okay. ZB's doing wonderful. So, uh, shoot us a note. Feedback at whattheif.com. Feedback at whattheif.com. Or just go to our website and find all the other episodes, as you also can, of course, on iTunes and on Google Play and on Stitcher. We are all over the place. If you use some pod catcher source uh, that we are not on and you had to go somewhere else to get it, let me know and I will put it on there. Uh, it's a strange universe out there with the, the, all the pod services. So um, uh, do that and send ideas comments uh what what did you think of what fears did you have while listening to the show what hopes <laughs> did you hope maybe uh, i hope this is over soon or uh i fear that this will never end that's actually how when i'm really listening to a podcast i love i do have that feeling like oh no it's almost over um what in the in the radio biz they used to call the driveway moment right, oh, right. You, yeah. You pulled, right yeah pull into the driveway just as this amazing npr story was ending and you had to mm-hmm. stay in the car until it's over um and then the magnetic field wiped it out anyway. It was a disaster. So, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I love doing the show, and I want to know who who you are. What are you all thinking? And submit ideas. Last week, uh, the past two weeks, we've had wonderful ideas submitted yep. by our listeners. So, send them in. Any anything you got, anything you want to know, you wonder how it works, ask us. Um, or you just haven't. You had a question like, "What if you woke up in the middle of the night and you're like, whoa, what if?'" <laughs> Write it down real quick before you fall asleep and forget about it. Matt, thank you so much, as always. Certainly. Um, have a wonderful week. Uh, what do you, uh, are you, uh, do you have classes now? Are you in the middle of a semester? 
Uh, semester has just started. Yeah, just started. And yeah. uh, what might you be teaching in your? Well, I'm actually on sabbatical this term, so <sighs> I'm just reading and writing. The best. The yeah. universe is teaching you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> the teacher becomes the student. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Stay tuned next week when we will continue the magnetic field anomaly thing, which will have a really clever title (laughs) by the time this hits the internet. And we will all say together, What the... the... Bye now.